Get ready for a wild run through Fitzkohler's inspiring journey. Hear her raw and real story as she bravely battled her breast cancer diagnosis and found her triumphant comeback. It's an honest and sometimes humorous tale of survival. You don't want to miss this one. Hello and welcome to Sailing Through Life. I'm Lori, your host and friend on this journey. Join me as I share conversations that give you hope, passion, and vision to live a more fulfilled life, even when going through some of life's most challenging times. Discover new ways to focus on your health and well-being through modifying your habits and self-care routines and improving your mindset. Create the life you desire by finding the positive in life and realizing the strength and resilience you have inside. This supportive community will inspire you through the life experiences of my guests, as well as hearing my own crazy, wonderful adventure. Set sail with me on this journey to health, happiness, and living your dreams. Let us show you how as you sail through life. Welcome aboard. I just want to say thank you to all of you listening today. You are so important to me, and I really appreciate you. I hope to continue to bring inspiration to your day every day. I would love to grow this extraordinary community for all of you. Support this show by sharing it with your friends and family and by making a contribution financially. This will help us reach more listeners and continue to improve the show. You can learn more at sailingthroughlifepodcast.com. That distraction, that passion overwhelmed the sick feelings. They negated those sick feelings. And, you know, I think other people can learn from that because too many people, especially now after COVID, they're like, oh, you're sick, hide out, isolate, never see a person, don't look at smiles, <laughs> you know, turn the lights off and duck for cover. And I am completely not of that subscription. What I say is live your life to the fullest. And for me, it worked magic because if I wasn't doing the thing I love to do, I wouldn't have had those moments of feeling good. I wouldn't have had those moments of feeling free and healthy. And all I would have been was sick. If you've been through cancer or a chronic illness, you may be wondering about the importance of the effects of fitness on your body. In this episode, we discuss how to safely integrate fitness into your life and what benefits it can have on your physical and mental health with my guest today, Fitz Kohler. Fitz is a prominent fitness expert and a professional race announcer. After being diagnosed with aggressive breast cancer, Fitz found that her experience proved to be a valuable learning opportunity. And from that, she wrote her memoir, My Noisy Cancer Comeback. Today's topic is how health and fitness impacts cancer. Fitz will provide tips on how to start exercising, and she offers resources for finding motivation and support along your cancer comeback journey. It's great to have you here. So welcome and thank you for joining us, Fitz. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Lori. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, it's been a long, long process somehow, but we got it. (laughs) That's right. Two busy girls uh, finally getting it done. Yes, yes. Well, I want to talk to you today about your dynamic relationship with fitness and cancer and, and how we can use fitness to improve our lives. That's that's something that's really important to a lot of the, the people in the audience. And I really feel like we get so distracted 
and confused by everything that's out there. And sometimes it's the simple things that we need to stay focused on that are the most effective. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to know with your experience, how, how long have you been so physically active? You know what? Fitness has always been a part of my life, um, mostly through sports as a kid. I, I'm sure I joined my first little peewee cheerleading team at four and I joined soccer at six and speed skating and I played t-ball and I did all the sports. My parents just kept me active mm-hmm. and I, I was never a superstar at any of those sports. I was very mediocre, but I enjoyed being on teams and playing and moving and getting dirty. And I was just turned 15 when I started teaching fitness at a local gym in Fort Lauderdale. And that really uh, was a game changer for me physically and professionally. Yeah, that that seems like so it's in your core. It's it's something it is you through and through. And, And that has been probably quite an influence throughout your life. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what is so great is, um, you know, I go back to my teenage years, like many of us, when we were awkward and we didn't really have a lot of control of our body because we, it was changing when mm-hmm. <laughs> our hormones were surging. But then we also didn't know any better, right? So I was a bit overweight. I became a bulimic. You know, I had all of these issues that were based on, you know, what I was trying to accomplish to impress other people, I'm sure. And then I finally got my act together. You know, it was early college where I started learning about eating wisely and how to eat the right amount of the right food for the size you want to be. And I learned that diets were dumb. And I learned that beating yourself up and punishing yourself with these extraordinary measures was foolish and unproductive. And I really just enjoyed being a person who moved my body and I enjoyed doing it with a lot of people. And so um, I... To me, fitness is about living long and living well and not much else. And so when people come up and say, Fitz, I want to look a certain way, I say, okay, well, I can help you do that. I don't personally care what you look like. Your appearance is not of major concern to me, right? I'm Mm -hmm. more concerned with the content of your character and are we a good match and do we have fun and are you great at your job, et cetera. But but if people want to work on their vanity, well, sure, fitness can do that too. It certainly is a very powerful tool. In fact, um, short of the knife, there's not really other ways to improve that appearance. And if you don't start focusing on health and fitness, exercise, nutrition, then everything you've earned through the knife will go away anyways. Uh, but yeah, it's about living long and living well. And I think the the more grown up we become, that becomes more prevalent. You know, nobody ever says, gee whiz, my back is stiff and means it in a good way. So, right. um, so yeah, I mean, can people do better and be better? Absolutely. Do I have all the answers tucked in my little vault? Absolutely. And I'm always happy to share them. And this all leads up to why you're here today and the connection between health and fitness and your cancer journey and and how that all kind of worked together. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2019, early 2019, seven weeks after a crystal clear mammogram. So Mm -hmm. I'd gone in and the the x-ray showed there was nothing there. And then all of a sudden I felt a lump and it was a sizey lump and it had already spread to my lymph nodes. So I had cancer running like wildfire through me. Oh my gosh. And I definitely thought, oh, I'm going down. I thought for sure I was going to die. Fortunately, my 
oncologist convinced me otherwise. He said, Fitz, you're just going to have to endure the cure. So my cure required 15 months of chemotherapy. And uh, that's a really long time to have chemo. That's a really long Mm -hmm. time to feel sick and so forth. But I did it. I was grateful for it because that meant I get to live. I had a couple surgeries. I had 33 rounds of radiation. And, uh, you know, before before cancer uh, came into my life, I was super fit. Mm -hmm. And um, chemo made me a very, very sick person. But I had decided before I even started treatment number one that uh, I wasn't giving up two things. I wasn't giving up special time with my kids. Ginger and Parker were teenager at the time, teenagers. And if they had a special event, a sport, a ceremony, a show, I was going to be there. And that was it. And then uh, my other commitment was I was going to continue pursuing my career. Now, my career uh, is diverse, but I'm a corporate keynote speaker. I do a ton of that. And then I'm also a very busy professional race announcer. So I host some of the largest, most iconic running events in the United States. Think Los Angeles Marathon, Mm -hmm. Buffalo Marathon, Detroit Free Press. So most weekends of the year, I'm required to get on a, a plane and go stand on stages live, make happy noise for tens of thousands of people, you know, uh, rile them up, congratulate them. I'm out for hours and hours as a very enthusiastic, energetic person. And, you know, I had no idea what was coming my way, but I just decided, screw you, cancer. I am not letting this holding me back. I am not hiding. I am not staying home. I am not isolating. I'm getting on those freaking planes with my bald head, and I'm going to go do the thing that I earned the right to do. Cause you know, the work that I do is coveted. A lot of people would kill to take my place and it was my income. So, you know, I was able to do those things and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a few quick points and then I'm sure you have a bunch of great questions, but I was violently ill for a very long time. And now some people might say, well, how could you have gone and traveled if you were? Well, trust me, I was, I was exploding nonstop. I lived with the likes of a, uh, like food poisoning, horrible food poisoning every day for a very long time. Um, But I was determined. I had made choices. I had passions. I I had people to see. I had things to do. And my husband would, (laughs) he would bring me to the airport at 4 a.m. on a Friday morning and he would walk me up to TSA and he'd say, how are you going to do this? And I would just stare at him with my glossy eyes and say, I just am. And so Mm -hmm. I would figure it out. And uh, I'd travel across the country and I'd get to wherever, California, New York, Michigan, and I would sleep on the hotel bathroom floors because that was the only way to try and get the world to stop spinning. Mm-hmm. And then at uh, 4.30 in the morning before a race, my alarm would go off and I would drag my lifeless body off the ground and get it dressed. And I would head over to the start line. And this is the magic. This is the magic of A, taking care of your health, and then B, having passionate. Having passions is that Every time I stepped on those stages, every single thing that was wrong with me would disappear. As long as I was doing the thing that I love to do and serving those people that I was obsessed with, nothing that was going on with me was relevant at the time. And it doesn't mean it didn't exist. It just means that um, for me, that adrenaline, that distraction, that passion overwhelmed the sick feelings. They negated those sick feelings. And, you know, I think other people can learn from that because too many people, especially now after COVID, they're like, oh, you're sick, hide out, isolate, never see a person, don't look at smiles, (laughs) you know, turn the lights off and duck for cover. And I am completely not of that subscription. What I say is live your life to the fullest. And for me, 
it worked magic because if I wasn't doing the thing I love to do, I wouldn't have had those moments of feeling good. I wouldn't have had those moments of feeling free and healthy. And all I would have been was sick. So that's number one. And then number two is, you know, at my sixth round of chemotherapy, which is the first six rounds were these real nasty, nasty concoctions. And by the Mm -hmm. time I walked in for the sixth round, every ounce of me was falling apart. I I mean, my fingernails had ripped off. My eyes had changed Mm -hmm. color. My vision was blurred. My everything was wrong. And so I went in kind of a little shaky that day. And, you know, you're afraid of chemo number one, because that's the unknown. But when you get to chemo number six, it's known, you know, yes, exactly you know more, <laughs> you know, oh too my much. God, <laughs> way scarier. So I showed up and my doctor had, um, you know, he said, Fitz, we're so you're, you're doing so great. I said, Dr. Gordon, I am not doing great. He said, no, I'm so proud of you. You've, you've really been doing so great. And I said, why are you saying that? I am a mess. Every iota of my body is you know, disintegrating. He said, Fitz, I'm not saying you haven't suffered. You have suffered greatly. And, and we have proof of that, right? He said, however, even while sick underneath this treatment, he said, I'm giving you the, the nastiest concoction of chemo that I give any of my patients for any cancers. He said, you with that have still traveled the country having more adventure than most healthy people do mm-hmm. in an entire year. He said, if you were not so healthy and fit, coming into this and committed to health and fitness going through it, you wouldn't have just been hospital overnight, which I hospitalized overnight, which I was. He said, you would have been hospitalized for a month. You might've had a feeding tube. You might've had infections based on those feeding tubes and those hospitalizations. So yes, you have suffered, but that commitment, your exercise, your eating right, all of those things you've done up till now have really paid off. And with that, Lori, things became crystal clear. It wasn't that I wasn't in a bad place. It's that I was very fortunate not to be in a worse place. And I had actually controlled much of my situation because of my exercise and sleep and nutrition. And and I thought that would be a really powerful message to take to the masses because there's a whole heck of a lot of other people going through chemo Mm -hmm. and radiation and surgery. Well, and and I read, it was either in a in your book uh, somewhere, I read the quote that while you're fighting for life, you need to keep living or continue living. And that really struck me as what a great motto to have that, you know, you can't just lay down and and give in. I mean, I know there's days that you can't push yourself and you do need to rest, but you also have to be motivated to, to, to keep moving forward. And what, what was the motivation for you? What did you see was the key thing for you? You know, it it really, I had my eyes laser focused on those very specific prizes. It was my kids Mm -hmm. and it was my career. And of of course I I adore my career, but I hope everybody adores their career. You know, if you deliver mail, I hope that really is satisfying for you. If you paint pictures or treat animals, I hope all of that is rewarding for you. Um, So yeah, when I had those opportunities and I never considered work a burden, obviously would never consider special time with my kid a burden. I was just motivated to go. And I didn't even... I didn't even need to know how. I just knew I was going to because, you know, a lot of people have faith in a lot of things. I've spent every day with myself since I was born. I know what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. So when I put my eyes on something, when I'm determined, I'm going to get it done. And it's funny, my husband, he would ask, how are you going to do this? I'm saying, I just am. And I just did. And so 
So that's really it is, is knowing what you want. And, and on the flip side, if I did not have a special time with my kid or a uh, career opportunity, there were many days I would just stay in bed. You know, I just was Mm -hmm. dead to the world. If nobody would, if nobody brought me a drink, I wouldn't have had a drink. So I was very fortunate to have that support system. But even when in bed, I would make the efforts to stretch while in bed, right? When I got in the Mm. shower, I would stretch. So there was always some sort of focus on my health. Would you say that, you know, I'm just thinking back when I saw that video that you did when you publicly announced that you were diagnosed with cancer. and, And when you think back to that time, what would you say has changed for you? What What's the, the contrast between who, who you were before that video and, and what happened after? Um, yeah, I mean, that was a very uncomfortable video to shoot because I don't really like to talk about my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wasn't going to lose my hair, I probably would have kept the whole ordeal to myself. Um, I, I can say that Sometimes people hit these forks in the roads and and they make some new decisions, right? They say, oh, I've got cancer. I'm going to go this way instead. Or I've been in an accident. I'm I'm changing directions. Uh, Cancer really only solidified the foundation I had already laid that I love my people, that I was in the right career. Um, I am probably even a more full throttle version of who I was. God help (laughs) everybody around me. Uh, But yeah, and then... And then the other thing is certainly I didn't have any uh, any imagination that I would kind of end up in this cancer world. And who wants to be in the cancer world? My mm-hmm. goodness. No, no, right? Nobody volunteers oh. for that one. <laughs> no. However, um, what I learned is that uh, I was obligated. I was obligated. You know, what are the odds? What are, What's the great fortune that a highly qualified and experienced fitness expert ends up going down that road. So not only do I have that fitness expertise, but now I have that cancer street cred. And, uh, you know, my noisy cancer comeback, my memoir is filled with lots of lessons on mental fortitude, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But these next two books, your healthy cancer comeback and the healthy cancer comeback journal are very specifically nuts and bolts. These are the, they, these two books are the blueprint for cancer patients and survivors to go from sick to strong. So you know, that's, I, I still do. I look at my, my career and, and that little thing. And I say, whoa, there's oncologists messaging me every day. And that's new, right? That's mm-hmm. different. But, but I appreciate it because it's just another opportunity to help people live better and longer. What's the biggest message that you're trying to uh, convey in your book, I, the, at least the first book, The Noisy Cancer Comeback? What was the intention for that? Um, so two things, I I would say all three books, the number one theme is control, Mm -hmm. control what you can. And boy, do we have a lot more control than we believe we do in noisy. My inspiration for that book was just the fact that I was going through so many cockamamie weird things that nobody was talking about. (laughs) And I kept thinking, how come nobody ever mentioned this? When my eyes changed color, for example, I, I thought, well, this is bonkers. Why didn't the PA or the doctor mention that could happen? So at first I thought, well, people would get a good laugh out of this. So when I was going through all the hardships, I never told anybody I was experiencing hardships. I just put on the happy face and said, I'm fine because I didn't want pity. Um, But I thought when I'm done with this, when I'm healthy and people can't pity me in reverse, then I'll share. Um, But then as I went through it and I was having some unique success based on my decisions, I thought, 
well, this stuff is worth sharing. And, you know, it would definitely be in alignment with the things that I already do to help people focus on not only health, but perspective, Mm. passions, positivity, you know, that I can do hard things mantra really carried me through my treatment. And, you know, I get messages from cancer patients, active cancer patients every day who say, oh my gosh, thank you for the book. I'm doing so much better because of it. And I've got your, I can do hard things sticker on my phone (laughs) and I look at it. And so, um, so yeah, that was the intention. And I know you feel like physical activity really does affect your emotions. And that all plays into that mindset all plays into how you get through things. And I think it's pretty evident when somebody is diagnosed with a a chronic illness and it's, it wears you down and it's so hard to keep that right mindset. Yeah. And so there's a couple of things is that, uh, you know, I cried every day. I'm human. Boy, am I human. I had Mm. the every single day and I wasn't a crier before, you know, all of a sudden cancer came and the tears started coming out, but I would manage them. I would say, okay, I would cry in my car um, so I wouldn't stress out my kids, right? I'd just stay in the car and I cry or I cry in the bathroom, but then I'd wipe my tears and I'd move on with it. And so it's not about um, not feeling the stress and not feeling the sadness because it's real. It's about managing it. about, you know, you can be sad, just don't wallow in it because that leads to depression and, mm-hmm. and real darkness. So have those feelings get them out, you know, whether you're writing in the journal or you're talking to a therapist or a friend or just having a good old cry or, or then you can manage it. You can manage it. And I manage things by, by intentionally doing things I knew that were stress busters for me. Exercise was certainly um, something I called on when I was healthy enough to do that. Um, Looking at or watching comedy (laughs) <laughs> so yep. Jerry Seinfeld is my favorite comedian. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I'd get in the shower and I'd pull up YouTube and I'd put my phone on the little little shelf in my shower and I would just listen to Jerry Seinfeld interview after Jerry Seinfeld interview because I know <laughs> he distracts me and he makes me happy. And so hopefully people have a few lists of lists of things they can do to beat stress and and then you take those things and you pursue them. Hey, I couldn't go out and run, you know, mm-hmm. often r- for a while, but I could listen to Jerry and sometimes I could go for a walk or I could just cuddle with my dog. So, um, so yeah, it's about managing it. And again, focusing your attention, controlling what you can. And do you think that this, this mode of being focused on your health and fitness affects how cancer, how your body deals with it and What's the influence that that has on it? Well, I can tell you, hands down, there is infinite amount of research that will tell you that um, exercise, nutrition, quality sleep, positive attitude can increase your chances of remission, decrease your chances of recurrence. A healthy body is more likely to not only fight off cancer and endure the treatment for it, um, but it's also less likely to suffer from infection? Is your immune system Mm -hmm. booming, even though you're being beaten the hell out of by chemo? So there's a lot of things we can control. And, you know, I I don't know the exact science behind the mental game, but I don't know an oncologist in the world who wouldn't tell you that a positive attitude goes a heck of a long way to beating off people's disease. What is important in practicing something and doing something physical? What, what are the key things that someone should be doing to better their health? 
I love that. Great question. So first of all, know that um, a commitment to fitness will slow your decline. So let's say you've just started treatment or you're anywhere, you know, and for the average Joe, if you're not working on getting stronger, you're likely getting weaker. So you, we always have two choices, stronger or weaker, stronger or weaker. I hope you always choose stronger and make decisions to push you in that direction. But when cancer treatment starts beating you up, you know, would you rather let's uh, in an exaggerated comparison analogy, but it's one worth visualizing. Would you rather start off strong like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, or would you rather start out as Mick Jagger at the beginning of cancer treatment, <laughs> knowing that atrophy is likely? Well, hey, the more muscle you have, Dwayne Johnson is a far, he's, that rock is much further from emaciated than Mick Jagger. And so muscle is better. We know you're likely to lose some muscle during, if you have a lengthy treatment, especially. So starting off with more is better and then working to maintain it is better. So you don't have to just let exercise go. Oh, I have cancer. I can't exercise. That's hogwash. There are tons of people that are out. My friend, Phil Decker, he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer at the beginning of 22. And he has since run the Boston Marathon, the Chicago Marathon during chemo. Mm -hmm. And he's had surgeries and all this and radiation and everything. So there's a lot of people running and exercising and lifting weights and so forth during uh, cancer treatment. So this will help you slow the decline. Now, the nuts and bolts of it are you must pursue those four pillars of fitness. And uh, I am I'm adamant that you have to go in all four directions because without all four, you do not qualify as fit. So the four pillars of fitness are number one is strength. That's physical strength that helps you press, pull, lift things uh, against resistance, cardiorespiratory fitness, which is the power of your heart and lungs. That's done with exercises that make you huff and puff. Flexibility, that is the range of motion your muscles, your limbs can go through and your torso without sprains, strains, and tears. And then of course, balance training. Balance training is your ability to, or balance is your ability to stay upright even when you meet an imbalance. And so um, doing exercises that help you improve your balance are really important. So it's cardio, strength, flexibility, and balance. And and so we'll I'll use an, a marathoner, for example, because mar mm -hmm. runners tend to just run. If you run marathons, but you can't even do five push-ups, do you really qualify as fit? Mm. No. Mm -mm. If you are one of those bendy yoga instructors <laughs> who can stand with your leg wrapped around your head three times, <laughs> but you can't climb three flights of stairs without huffing and puffing, are you fit? The answer is no. Yeah. And so I don't expect everybody to be a bodybuilder and a marathon runner and a yoga person and a, and a, you know, a karate master with great balance. What I'm telling you is if you put a little bit of effort in each direction, most days of the week, you will a not get worse, right? You will not get weaker, but B you will slowly improve. And when you constantly do just a little more than you were capable of doing last time, eventually you get fitter and fitter and fitter. And those principles still apply even if you have cancer, even if you have MS, even if you have polio. I mean, whatever it is, these fitness practices working to get better will prevent a decline and help you make progress. And that all builds up your endurance. And that's what keeps you going is you, you I think you just start building on what you have and slowly increasing. I think it's just so hard for somebody to, to make the first step sometimes. 
Yeah. And you know what? It is that first step, um, but it's just about being better than you were yesterday. And so the new book, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, I've, there are hundreds of photos in this book. And so it starts out with regular, and chapter seven has regular exercise. So stuff standing and lying and all sorts of things. But then there's a whole section for chair exercises because maybe you can't stand up now. Maybe you could never stand up. Here's exercises you can do in a chair if standing's not feeling good right now. Okay. And then let's say you can't even sit in a chair. You're stuck in bed. Fine. Well, here's dozens of exercises that you can do in bed, strength training and stretching and just maintaining mobility and improving on your strength in the little bits will prevent so much pain and suffering because, you know, lying flat or lying on your, if, if you lie flat, you know, things are going to get sore. If you lie on your sides, your shoulders are going to mm-hmm. feel it. I mean, there's a lot of pressure points that could be uh, relieved if you are a strong, flexible person. So uh, the book has tons of bed exercises. And then I have a whole series of of stretches you can do in the shower. Because if you're like me and you're exploding nonstop, you end up in the shower nonstop. And that's a really positive place to, you know, uh, open up your chest and stretch your back and stretch your arms and so forth. So um, there's options for everybody. If you're out there saying, I can't, I promise you, you're wrong. There's something you can do. And you have so much knowledge. So now I have to ask, what is it that you've done? What education or credentials do you have to do your job? So I have a master's in exercise and sports sciences from the University of Florida. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so this is something, I mean, you've been doing this, like you said, since you're super young, teenage years, and then you got educated and you've been doing this. So you have a lot of a lot of collateral there with with, with everything you were saying. And, and then, you you know, with adding in your cancer experience and blending those two, um, I really feel like it, it's, it's something that a lot of people need to hear and a lot of people need to know and practice. But I think we fall into that sit by and, and let things happen category sometimes when, like you said, when you're, you're kind of floored and you don't have that momentum, you don't have the motivation. Um, and it's just finding what it is that you can do. And, and I wish, I wish there were more oncologists that would promote certain things. I, I think sometimes you go to a doctor and they do the medical side, but they don't round it out. Agreed. You know, what's so exciting is, um, one of uh, I sent my the new books, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, in the journal. I sent them to oncologists for uh, a, an advance review before mm-hmm. I went to print, just to make sure they agreed and supported everything I was saying. I also sent it to a ton of cancer patients to make sure they agreed and to see if they had any input. And one of the greatest uh, things I could say for the book right now is one of the oncologists just ordered fifty copies in advance. Mm. She's like, I need every one of my patients to have this. And so that's my hopes, Lori, is not only that I can connect with cancer patients directly, but that oncologists recognize that this may be something lacking within their practice. And and the reality is the poor things can't do everything, Everything, right? Um, But if they have this great resource to say, hey, y'all, Fitz Kohler has a book out and, and this is going to help you get through this much better than if you hadn't read it. So um, you know, we have them for every patient gets one when they arrive, right? Upon diagnosis, mm-hmm. you get your healthy cancer come back or, or maybe they just refer people to my site or Amazon. But um, yeah, it is something my doctors didn't discuss it with me. Now I have world-class physicians. 
I don't know if they didn't talk about it with me because they knew who I was and what I do, <laughs> or if they just don't talk about it. So I'm going to say most people don't get nobody. Yeah. There are very few people talk about it. I, I, I've talked to so many people and it's, if you go to the doctor, it's usually medical based and it's unfortunate because there is research that is showing the connection between the mindset and the physical reaction to treatment and surgeries and healing and all that stuff. So it does go together, but it's kind of a, a no-no to talk about in a way. Well, you know what's really interesting, Lori, is um, and I've been telling people this for years, but if you go to any doctor's office anywhere, almost every pamphlet sitting on the wall, and I encourage everybody to look at those pamphlets, almost every last one will tell you whatever condition that pamphlet is talking about, those um, that issue can be completely prevented or diminished with exercise and proper nutrition. And that's that issue can likely be cured with exercise and proper nutrition, whether we're talking about, you know, things like bad, uh, skin issues or digestive issues or pain. You know, if you exercise, mm-hmm. if you watch what you put in your mouth, if you drink water, if you avoid the alcohol and the cigarettes, which are things within the wheelhouse of fitness, it's it really is. It's not a cure for everything. But by golly, if you if you take good care of yourself on this side of things, you really are not likely to face a whole bunch of other things. That's a great point too. Yeah, the be preventative in in the, as much as you can, and give yourself that that heads up, that head start to not get so diminished in it. Yeah, great, great, great information. So, I have one more question for you. Yeah, I want to know how you sail through life. How do you stay on course with with what you're doing in life? Uh, passion and perspective, purely. Uh, the passions, the thing that I love are my North Star. And I have chosen so wisely with my people and my passions that I always have something to look forward to. And that goes a long way. And then perspective. Um, I was born with a sunshiny personality, and I think that's a great gift. But it's also a learned skill is, uh, you know, nobody gets out unscathed. And so we're all going to face our some sort of hardship. And for me, I always I just can't stop thinking about how it could be worse. You know, when it was cancer, I I couldn't stop thinking about how lucky I was to be an adult with cancer. And it wasn't I wasn't a kid. We all see those little kids mm-hmm. on TV. With cancer, and I think, oh, Lord, I'm so lucky. That's not me. And also that it wasn't my kid. And, uh, you know, just yesterday, my cell phone was stolen here in London, uh, pickpocket, which is, you know, a frustrating, but instantly I thought, okay, I'm a victim of a crime, but not a violent crime. So this is my phone's replaceable, big deal, mm-hmm. frustrating. Sure. Uh, but perspective, perspective makes every situation brighter. And I hope everybody can start working on that because life's good. Life is short. We only get one that I know of, and you have so much control over making not only every day, but every hour and every minute better if you choose it to be. So yeah, perspective and passions. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Fitz. This has been absolutely incredible. There's so much information in this episode that I'll definitely listen to it myself a couple of times here just to make sure I didn't miss anything because there's so much importance 
in taking care of ourselves and we have to be responsible for ourselves and not necessarily lean on other people to make us do things. You can have a support system to help you, but it's ultimately up to you. I couldn't agree anymore. Thanks, Lori. Thanks, everybody. Fitz experienced her healthy cancer comeback after she was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer in 2019. Even though 15 months of chemotherapy, radiation, and surgeries took a toll on her body, Fitz chose not to give up, but instead to use it as a motivation to become even better than before. Her outlook and energy is contagious, and I really loved having this time with her and learning about the four pillars of fitness that empower you to be your best. If you are in the middle of figuring things out with your own journey, you will be inspired by her story and insight through her books, My Noisy Cancer Comeback and Healthy Cancer Comeback. Fitz created these wonderful blueprints for cancer patients and survivors to go from sick to strong, encouraging us that we too can do hard things. You can follow Fitz and her fitness journey at fitness.com. I will also include the links to her books, social media, and even YouTube in the show notes. Check out sailingthroughlifepodcast.com if you or someone you care about would like to share their experience or if you know an organization to help even just one person. By supporting the show, you allow us to continue to make a difference in someone's life. You can share this episode with friends and family and contribute financially. So go to sailingthroughlifepodcast.com to learn more. Stay anchored. Chat with you next time.